This message is a ministry of Plainville Baptist Church. www.plainvillebaptistchurch.org Let's go to the Lord in prayer before Pastor opens up the word to us. Dear Father God, we thank you that we are able to gather together. Lord, we are able to hear from you. God, we pray for our pastor this morning, God, that you would give him liberty as he stands here and proclaims your word to us. Father, help us to hear from you. Give us ears to hear, I pray. Father, convict concerning sin, encourage uh, concerning our salvation. Whatever we may need, Father, Lord, we may receive it today from your word. May you be glorified. Your son Jesus' name, amen. Children and their teachers can be dismissed to junior church this morning. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 26. And I, I want to let you know, I um, received a note from someone this week saying that reading through the scripture like this and taking the time to slow down and look at these passages, um, they finally understood the meaning of uh, that whole vision that Peter saw in Acts chapter 10, how God used, the, uh, used that to propel the gospel to the Gentiles. And uh, this morning, we're going to talk about the power of a testimony of Christ. Uh, there's a power in being able to share your testimony of Jesus Christ. And in um, Acts 26, the Apostle Paul is, has been imprisoned. He is standing before King Agrippa uh, with many officials also in the auditorium, in the, in the room that he was uh, speaking, and Agrippa gives him freedom to share about why he is locked up. And so in verse 4, we start with Paul's testimony before King Agrippa, and he says, So then, all Jews know my manner of life from my youth up, which from the beginning was spent among my own nation and at Jerusalem. Since they've known about me for a long time, if they are willing to testify that I lived as a Pharisee according to the strictest sect of our religion, and now I am standing trial for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers, the promise to which our twelve tribes hope to attain as they earnestly serve God night and day. And for this hope, O king, I am being accused by the Jews. Why is it considered incredible among you people if God does raise the dead? So then I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And this is just what I did. In Jerusalem, not only did I lock up many of the saints in prisons, having received authority from the chief priests, but also when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. And as I punished them often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme. 
and being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities. While so engaged, as I was journeying to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining all around me and those who were journeying with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. For those of you unfamiliar with farming, that uh, let me just explain. Uh, when oxen were plowed, yoked together to plow, uh, and they failed, they didn't want to go, um, they would kick. And uh, they had an ox goad, a short, a short sharpened stick that would be right behind uh, the plow. And when the, the oxen would kick, they would feel it and begin to move. And that's what Paul, God is saying to Saul. Saul, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. It, it's not pleasant. And you've been doing that. My spirit's been drawing you and, and you're not listening. That's, that's what he's describing, what Jesus said to him. Verse 15, and I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But get up, stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. May God bless this. If you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, You may be at a loss to share the gospel with someone. How do I do that? How, how can I share the gospel with someone? And maybe you've been saved for a long time, for many years, or maybe just a few. But you have difficulty explaining how someone can be saved, how to give the gospel to somebody. Your testimony of Christ is the most powerful thing that you can share through the Spirit of God. It's the most powerful way you can convey the truth of the gospel in a very simple and yet profound manner. And Peter tells us that in his first letter, in verse 15 of chapter 3, he says this, Sanctify Christ as Lord, set apart as holy, Christ as Lord in your heart, so that you may be able to be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you of the reason of the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. So Peter says, you ought to be ready to make a defense, an, an, an apologetic, if you would, for the gospel. Not too long ago, um, I had invited a friend over for supper, 
on a Friday night, and, and I was praying that I'd have an opportunity to share the gospel with him. How do I do that? How do I bring it up? It's, it's, it's hard sometimes when you're with friends to say, here's the gospel. And I prayed, and I prayed, and the night began to get a little bit later, and I was saying, Lord, how will I bring this up? Help me. Help me. He turned to me and he said, so, how did this all come about? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. And I was able to share my testimony. And I just went back to that time where I met Jesus Christ. You know, I, I was a religious person. I grew up religious in a religious home. But I thought my own good works would save me. I thought doing enough good, God would outweigh, that would outweigh my bad before God. And certainly God would let me into heaven. And yet as I began to be convicted about my own sin, as the Spirit of God brought conviction, I realized I'm not right with Him. I didn't know how much I had to do, how much, what was right and what was enough. And I said, somebody befriended me, and they invited me over to their house one day, and after supper, shared the good news that though I'm a sinner in need of God's judgment, His eternal wrath in hell because of my sin, God loved me so much. He sent His Son, sent Him to die in my place, the death I deserved, the wrath I deserved, and He rose again. And that night, June in 1985, I bowed my head at that dinner table, and I called on the name of the Lord Jesus, asked Him to be my Savior. And He gave me life, eternal life. Well... God allows us all who know Him, who've come to Him, to have a testimony of Christ that we can share with others. Three times in the book of Acts, and as you're here finishing up, probably, the, the, hopefully, as you're going through the weekly word, finishing up the book of Acts this week, You've seen two of those three times that Paul's conversion is described. And Nancy read chapter 9, the first time that, that he uh, tells of his, or actually it's the story of his conversion, but two other times in these last chapters in 22 and here in 26, Paul is speaking of his salvation from his own mouth. He's speaking of the grace of God that saved him through faith. And there are some important truths that you can glean from these, these words from the Apostle Paul's own testimony about Jesus Christ. Because God wants you to share your testimony of Christ if you've been saved with others. That's why God gave that to you. And that's why God has kept you here. God has you here to be able to speak of that together to, to others. 
And if you don't have a testimony of Christ, oh, I hope you'll have one today because God doesn't want you to perish if you are without Jesus Christ. So there are some things here that we recognize from this passage, from these passages, about what your testimony should, should be like. Some ideas to share with you. The first one is this. It should be short. It should be short. When you read all three of these conversion stories of Paul, they are less than two minutes. You can read them all in two minutes or less. This last one where he's standing before Agrippa is just a little bit over two minutes if you're reading it. But that says something. The whole truth of salvation can be given to somebody in a very short time. The truth of your salvation and how God saved you can be given in a very short time. Do not let your testimony draw, drone on too long. Now, there are some instances where maybe you'd want to add a little bit more, depending on the person, or something like that. But the longer you go, the more apt you are to focus less on Jesus Christ and the gospel and more on yourself. We all do it. I myself am prone to do it, to focus on myself instead of Jesus Christ. It's human nature. We love to focus on ourselves, But if we are to love others as we love ourselves, we'll keep our testimony short. Because not only does that minimize the focus on the gospel, but it can prevent people from hearing it and listening to it as you go on, or getting the idea, the kernel of it, it should be short. Secondly, it should be personal. It is your testimony. There are to be personal elements to it. In these testimonies that Paul gives in 22 and 26, uh, over 20 times he uses the personal pronoun. I, my, me. Because it was what God did for him to save him. Your testimony is personal. How you do that. There's a personal dimension. And you, in placing yourself into time in that personal dimension, you allow your testimony to live. You speak of how you came to find a relationship with Jesus Christ, with the God of the universe through His Son. And though the gospel never changes We have to be careful that we don't change the gospel. It is our personal testimony is not going to be exactly like anyone else. It's through those personal elements that allow your testimony to be embedded into the mind of your listener so that the Holy Spirit will take that and use that in their own heart and mind. I can still think of uh, one lady from our church who shared her testimony, how she was going through a difficult time in her life. Somebody had given her a gospel tract, and she took it, 
She was going through a very difficult time. She was going through a divorce. And at lunch, at her lunch break, she went to her car. She opened up that gospel track. She read the gospel track. And there in, in, in her car called out to the name of the Lord. Sticks in my mind. Why? Because it's that personal testimony of what God has done for her. Or sitting in an army barracks. Or standing and shoveling snow in your driveway. Or being in the backyard with a friend who came over and shared the gospel with you. All of these different things that are in my heart and mind. Even though you've told me your testimonies years ago. Some of them, I was part of that testimony. Some of them were just what you've spoken to me. And they live before me because of that. Those personal, personal aspects to your testimony. But there are some temptations to avoid when you're giving your testimony. Number one, don't embellish it. There's a temptation to embellish your testimony. The power of your testimony is not your life. It's the gospel. And the Holy Spirit's work to commend the truth in that gospel. He will not commend a lie. Don't embellish the story of your salvation. You know, I, I, was, I, I grew up in gangs. I was putting hits on people, involved in drugs and alcohol. And when I turned six, my parents shared the gospel with me. <laughs> right? Don't embellish the story of the gospel in how God saved you. Don't embellish it. It doesn't need embellishment. It's special because God came to you in salvation. Secondly, don't be ashamed of it. You know, I don't have a test. I've heard that I don't have a testimony like yours. Correct, because you're not me. You know, I didn't get saved from out of these things and this and that. And you know, I grew up in a Christian home, and I never experienced those temptations. And that, praise God, that God delivered you from all that. That you didn't have to go through that mess. And come out on the other side of that mess. But our testimonies are all different. Because we are all different. So don't be ashamed of your testimony because it doesn't sound like this one. Understand that. Recognize it. Certainly, the testimony of your salvation is personal. It should have personal elements in it that speak of the specific way that you came to Christ. You know, don't mimic the Apostle Paul. You didn't get knocked down to the ground and see a vision of the Lord Jesus because you were out murdering the saints. <laughs> no, Kim, I hope not. But seriously, your testimony is yours. What did God do for you? Thirdly, if we understand this, it's your personal testimony, but thirdly, it should be focused on Christ. It should be focused on Christ. The author of Hebrews says that Jesus Christ obtained eternal redemption for us. 
No one else. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, the Apostle Peter said, There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus Christ only is the one. Your testimony has to focus on Jesus Christ. It's Him. Share that. Ultimately, your testimony has to be about Jesus or it has no value. And what he did, Paul laid out, what is the simple gospel? He died for your sins and was buried and rose from the dead on the third day. That's what we ought to be testifying within our testimony. As as the Apostle Paul was declaring to Uh, the king and all those royal officials around him. In verses 22 and 23, the last part of that 22, he says, I was testing, I stand to this day testifying both to small and great, stating nothing what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place, that the Christ was to suffer and that by reason of His resurrection from the dead, He would be the first to proclaim light both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. There's Paul sharing his testimony about Christ. This is it. It's only what the prophets have said. It's only what took place in the New Testament. Jesus died and rose again and He's coming again to give us life with Him forever. This is it. This is focused on Christ. That's where Paul was. And he's he's stating right here in those two verses, the gospel. That's how simple God has made it. Two verses, the gospel. That's it. Fourthly, not only should it focus on Christ, not only is it a personal reflection of how God met you, brought you to Himself, not only should it be simple, but fourthly, it should proclaim forgiveness. It should proclaim forgiveness. As Paul is speaking to Agrippa in verse 18, he says, "What, what did God send me to do? To open their eyes, the Gentiles. They may turn from darkness to light. That's repentance. Turning from my way to get to God to God's way to get to God, which is much more important than my way. To turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. It should proclaim forgiveness. When you're sharing your testimony, you ought to let someone know, the person you're sharing with, they can have forgiveness too. You don't have forgiveness because of something better in you. You have forgiveness because God offered it by faith to you. That's what we see. That's what we recognize here. It should proclaim forgiveness. Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You should should include in your testimony, how was it you trusted Jesus Christ? When did you call upon Him? How did you call upon Him? Paul says later in Romans 10, how are they going to hear? How are they going to believe unless they hear? And how are they going to hear unless you speak? It's a paraphrase. 
How is it? Unless you speak, that they're going to hear that. God saved you to give your testimony to others. Whether it's in the break room or the store or other places where God opens up that opportunity. Oh, let me tell you about what happened to me. It's your personal story. And let me tell you how you can have forgiveness of sins. You need to call upon Him. You need to receive Him. And so we see that. Your friends, your relatives, your neighbors, co-workers, enemies, need to hear from your mouth the glorious gospel of Christ. We might proclaim the excellencies of Him who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. And lastly, fifthly, your testimony. It should be short, it should be personal. It should focus on Christ. It should proclaim forgiveness. It should be, we should seek to persuade with it. It should seek to persuade. Our, our testimony should seek to persuade people to trust Christ as their Savior. As the Apostle Paul was concluding his testimony before these royal officials and before King Agrippa, point blank, he asks the king, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? And then he answers the question for him, I know that you believe. I know who you are. I know you believe. And so he begins to confront King Agrippa as if nobody else was there. I know you believe, King Agrippa. And so the king interrupts him in verse 27. In verse 28, he says, Paul, in a short time, you're going to persuade me to become a Christian. Or maybe a question, are you seeking in this short time to persuade me to become a Christian? Don't tell your story simply to tell a nice story. You ought to seek to persuade the individual. And I'll, I, I can probably bet, I, there may be exceptions, but I can probably bet that anybody you speak to is not as scary or as important as King Agrippa was. Whoever God puts in your way, I can probably guarantee that. Had an opportunity to give the gospel to George H.W. Bush, and I struck out. All I could say was, God bless you, sir. But you don't know who God will put you, but I bet it won't be like that. So we see this. He was persuading King Agrippa. Um, Don't just tell a nice story. Seek to persuade them. Would you call on the Lord? Would you call on Him and receive forgiveness of your sins? God can save you. God can give you that. And um, 
And we see this throughout the book of Acts. We understand it's not us who ultimately persuades people to come to Christ. It's the Holy Spirit. But when you read through the book of Acts, you see the individuals as they preach the gospel, as they give the gospel, they are seeking to persuade people to come and put their trust in Jesus. As a matter of fact, that word persuade is closely related to the word believe. They were seeking to persuade them. They were seeking to cause them to believe in Jesus. And so should you. You've been given this privilege of a testimony. And notice Paul's response. Notice Paul's response. And I believe with a little levity in it to make it not seem so... um, To answer carefully... King Agrippa, Paul, you, you, hey, you really think I, I can become a Christian in this short time? Uh, verse 29, Paul said, I would wish to God, whether in a short time or long time, not only you, but all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. Hey, I want everybody here to be just like me in knowing Jesus. I want you all to, just like me, well, except this. Right? He's got these chains. Remember, he's talking chained up. I mean, how uncomfortable is that? He said, accept these chains. You trust Christ as your Savior. Oh, that you would. And so, we see this here. Let me close with three questions for you. Number one, have you written out your testimony so that you might be able to share it with others. Well, I don't need to write it out. I, I, I know it. If you don't write it out, you're not going to include the very important things that are part of that testimony. Keep it short. Make it personal. Focus on Christ. Proclaim forgiveness of sins. And seek to persuade somebody to trust Jesus Christ. 90 seconds. Two minutes, less than two minutes. Have you written it out? Write it out so you can share it. Two, have you shared your testimony of Jesus Christ? Have you? What's preventing you? Uncertainty, introversion. Um, what is it? God saved you to be able to have those opportunities to share the gospel. Begin to pray about it. God, give me opportunities. Make it clear to me how and when and with what words to be able to share this with others. Have you shared that testimony? If not, why? Ask God to help you. And thirdly, Do you have a testimony? Are you here without a testimony of Christ? Are you here this morning and you say, I'm not sure if I've ever called upon the Lord Jesus Christ to save me. I'm not sure that I can't share testimony because I don't have one. I've never received Christ as my Savior. 
I never understood the gospel. Christ died for my sins, was buried and rose again, and that meant He was going to give me full forgiveness, the forgiveness of all my sin. I've never trusted that. If you're here and you've never trusted that, I want to persuade you to do that, to call upon Him today. The Bible says today is the appointed time. Today is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. If you've never called upon Him, I want to encourage you to please trust Him today. Your eternal destiny is at stake because Jesus is coming back to judge the living and the dead according to His gospel. He's made provision for your forgiveness. Would you receive it, please? And as we close our service this morning, after we pray, we're going to sing together. As we stand to sing, would you just come forward this morning and say, I need to trust Christ. I've never trusted Him. Somebody will come alongside you, pray with you, so that you can call upon the Lord, receive Him as your Savior, because forgiveness is available with the Savior. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for this day. You know the hearts of each person, but I do not. Father, here, who's never received You as their Savior, that they today would call on You. Lord, whatever things that they have. Maybe they've been coming to church for years and people have thought they're Christians and in their mind they're proud. I don't want other people to know that I never called on the Lord. Father, show them how foolish that thinking is. That they might put that off and once for all call upon you and receive you. Oh God, please. Open the hearts and minds of those who do not know you. Draw them to yourself. They might call upon you and ask you to save them from their sin. Father, we thank you for this day. And Lord, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand with me. At hymn 351. As we sing moment by moment. As we get ready to sing this. If you need Christ as your Savior, would you come please? Please come as we begin to sing call upon His name. Dying, Jesus by death reckoned mine, living with Jesus a new life divine. Looking to Jesus till glory does shine, Moment by moment, O oh Lord, I am thine. Moment by moment, I'm kept in his love. Moment by moment, I fly from above. Looking to Jesus till glory does shine. Moment by moment, O oh Lord, I am thine. As we sing that second verse, you need Christ, come. We'll sing one more verse. And did you mention that number? Because 351. 351. 
you come as we sing on that second verse. Never a trial that he is not there. Never a burden he will not bear. You come to Jesus this morning. Never a trial that he is not there. Never a burden that he doth not bear. Never a sorrow that he doth not share. Moment by moment I'm under his care. Moment by moment I'm kept in his love. Moment by moment I've life from above. Looking to Jesus till glory does shine. Moment by moment, O oh Lord, I am thine. All right. As we come back tonight, we'll have uh, the commissioning service for Harold and Nancy Kroll. Um, please come and, and encourage them in uh, the work to which God has called them. And let's close together in prayer. Father, thank you for this day, for your mercies to us, for your Holy Spirit to work in our own hearts. Lord, I pray for each one here who does know you, Lord, that you would give them opportunities even this week, that you would give them boldness and wisdom to share of how you saved them. Lord, might they see the necessity of that and how you've given us this great opportunity from our own personal testimony to be able to see others come to know you, Father. We thank you for this, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.